0: and the future is completely within our control we're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time this is the time for us to just really take charge that's what revolutions do they enable the impossible
1: noah kagan wears a lot of hats he's a marketer disc golf player podcast host Retired chess player, mountain biker, Hebrew student, table tennis player, YouTube personality, founder, investor, fitness enthusiast, avid reader, and on, and on, and on. Noah's just one of those people who's always learning. And in today's episode, we take a look at exactly how that works. So, if you're toying with the idea of learning a new skill, but don't know where to begin, this conversation's a good place to start. I'm Megan Keeney-Anderson, and this is The Growth Show. All right, so I am here with Noah Kagan of sumo.com and the host of Noah Kagan Presents. And Noah, before we sort of dive in too far, I'm hoping you can give us a little bit of a foundation. So for our listeners who might not know you as well, what can you tell me about sumo.com? What problem are you guys trying to solve?
0: Yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> it's like the Simpsons. Hi, everybody. So we we started AppSumo.com, which is a daily deal site for small business owners uh, about seven years ago. Nice. And, you know, as we're doing this daily deal thing, we're like, man, we're really good at doing email marketing. And we noticed we're pretty like we're pretty good at it. And a lot of our customers are like, yo, can you help us with it? And so we then took that software out and created the solutions that we were using ourselves to grow our own business and turn that into sumo.com. So it was like, oh, if you need help growing your email list, just go use this tool that we already built for ourselves.
1: Got it, so you sort of stumbled upon a point of leverage and you were democratizing that to other people.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I think some of the time, the best way to grow in business is just scratch your own itch or look at things that you've already done for yourself. I mean, a lot of successful companies like Mark, I worked at Facebook with Mark. He was like, oh, I wanna connect people at school. And that's what Facebook came in. Uh, And there's a lot of examples of that. 37signals is one of the more known ones as well where they were an agency and they said, hey, we'd love to have these software tools. And right. then, oh, wow, yeah. other people do too. And uh, and that's the way that I think scratching your own issue, you, you can't go wrong.
1: And would you say that that also led into the creation of some of the content that you put out there, the the podcast, for example?
0: Yeah, the podcast and and I do YouTube as well, Noah Kagan Presents. That stuff, a lot of it, honestly, is just a hobby that ends up also sometimes making money. But really, I just I think the way that I've done that is what can I do for free or what do I love to do? And I don't even care if I get paid. Yeah. And a lot of the times in our own business, if I'm having fun and doing stuff I would do for free, uh, sometimes it actually ends up making a lot of money, which is never really even the intention. I know that sounds a little backwards.
1: No, but it starts with the interest and the passion and you sort of see something, identify something that resonates or could resonate with a larger crowd. Yeah. You know, one
0: thing that I've noticed is that every business gets boring. Every business hits some type of like plateau. Everyone listening, I'm sure they know like, oh yeah, man, even in your job, there's a plateau. And I think the best way to stick through that is doing things that you just really enjoy working on so that when there's a tough time, you're like, I got this. I can stick with this. Uh, and that's where, you know, the podcasts and YouTube and, and a lot of the, the products that we've created have just come through our own need.
1: I think that idea that every business gets boring, everything you're doing sort of has a ebb and a flow of interest is is right on. What would you say is catching your attention right now? I mean, what are you most excited about now that could lead to your next project or your next hobby?
0: Yeah, I mean, sumo.com is my number one priority. I think when people say they have priorities, like I've got, I'm like, ugh, you're probably not gonna do everything great then, <laughs> if you're trying to do a lot of things at once. Right. So sumo.com is my number one priority. The thing that I'm curious about for the future, I love helping the underdogs. And that's what the whole point of our company, Sumo, is to help small businesses grow. And I think sumo.com is doing a great job of helping people grow their email list and the marketing once they've gotten customers. But I think there's a big gap in the market for how do you get the customers from at the top of the funnel? And I don't think there's enough solutions that besides paying Facebook and Google a bunch of money, uh, I don't think there's enough solutions out there that really help people. I think there's new channels that are helpful like YouTube and chatbots and sometimes webinars, but I don't think there's enough software based solutions that you can literally just like plug it in, turn it on and then customers start coming.
1: What is it about the underdog? Why is that your calling?
0: That's a great question. I like the underdog. I think it, it it's uh, an opportunity to rise up. I think it probably comes, I went to Berkeley, not Stanford. So that's an underdog. I came from a middle-class family. You know, we weren't given everything. My father just came from Israel with nothing. And I think the you know, I wouldn't say the American dream, but I love the idea of like the small guy rising up and, and really having that chance Yeah. Uh, and being able to give that to everyone else. That excites me.
1: That's cool. So One of the things that stands out to me about you, and it kind of bends into this underdog theme, this idea of getting better and of growth, is you write a lot about education and becoming a lifelong learner. Uh, I read one article of yours that really caught my attention, which is about the key reason that we stop growing after high school or after college, after graduate school, is that we stop having teachers. Can you tell me a little bit about that insight and where that came from?
0: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you about my morning. So at 8 a.m. today, I met with Alyssa, who is my Hebrew coach. And I was reflecting on my youth. And I said, man, we used to, what's different than now? And now it's that you you have more responsibility you have bills and all this stuff. But from a mental growth aspect, you had these teachers that kind of held you accountable and taught you things. And for some reason, when we, finished college. We're like, all right, no more PE. I hate you PE. That's a gone teachers. (laughs) You're gone too. And now I'm just going to go to work, do my thing, you know, and take my minivan to soccer practice. And (laughs) I worked at Intel. So I know a lot about minivans and soccer practice. Gotcha. Yep. And so it, it just made me reflect, man, I've had a lot of growth with teachers. Let me go explore how much you know if i work with a coach in different aspects of my life how much that can help me grow and i think that's the thing with education and, and business in general like try things out see what works incorporate them and things that don't work cut them aggressively and i think that applies for marketing and business and, and a lot of things in life so i just started hiring coaches for almost everything because coaches are going to help you as we talked about when things get boring i have like a, a health coach yeah and i, I his name is adam gilbert from mybodytutor.com and i call him and i'm like adam my body's looking great I can't wait. I'm going to try this new diet. I just read about it. And he's like, okay. Okay. Is your body where you want it to be? I'm like, yeah. He's like, have you been following through what we agreed on? Yeah. He's like, well, why don't you just stay with it? And I was like, oh, that's a really good point.
1: Okay. But wait, so how are you finding these coaches? I mean, are you looking for people who are actively advertising as coaches? Or are you just figuring this person's really good at podcasting? I hope that I can convince them to coach me and teach me their ways.
0: Yeah, it's more the latter. So I basically go out and I'm looking for, like the way I've thought of hiring at Sumo and in general is like, who is the dream team? And then I think of the same with coaches, like who's already done it and who's right. already done it? and then go for whoever the best is. And it, it, honestly, it, if you're going to live till like 80 and you get it, like the knowledge and information and experience at 40, like the dividends on that is a long, long time. I, I think one thing I just want to caveat this is that you, not every coach is going to be great for you. So when I started Hebrew, I found this local woman who was really nice and she was kind of like my Jewish mother mm-hmm. <laughs> and we followed her book and her, her method and it was good. But I was like, man, it was actually by accident. I tried another coach out and I was like, oh, wow, there's another level that I, I was missing out on. So I think you have to be okay saying two things when you're with your coaching. Try different people out. Number two, be responsible for your learning. So if you're not learning it the way you want it, you would have to tell your coach that. Number three, like you have to go and try other coaches out or other methods to see how you're going to get to that next level uh, or, the ne- you know, the next level of experience and understanding in different topics.
1: So it's not like you're on autopilot. There's a responsibility there to shape your own education still.
0: Yeah. And it, it applies for all aspects. So, like, I like marketing. I love marketing. But I can't be an expert in every single type of category. So I talk to a guy who's an expert at YouTube. And then I go find, like, we have a guy named Dan Schur, who I work with on SEO. And you have to be able to try different people out and see where you're actually like, oh, wow, I'm growing from this person versus another person.
1: Right. Now, okay, I've got to ask the time question because I'm listening to this and you've got a Hebrew coach and a chess coach and a marketing coach and a YouTube coach and a podcast coach. (laughs) Where, Where do you find the time?
0: Yeah, so they come in different phases. So I'm not doing as much chess, so I don't do the chess thing. The health coach, we pretty much text every day. And it's more just a check-in, like, how's your health today? What are you doing for exercise? And at some point, it becomes a little bit more routine. So, like, I check in with him on Sundays, and he knows what I'm going to be doing. And then he actually has access to my scale. And so he'll notice if things go really off track uh, or if I'm gaining a bunch of weight. That's like, hey, a how lot of doing?
1: trust. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We have, a, we have a really close relationship. Someone said this to me. You need at least to put in the work if you really want to improve on something. So, like, right. I want to get better at Hebrew. But if I'm not doing at least two hours a week, it's not going to really improve. I'm going to stay at the same place. And... What she recommended, which I thought was really insightful, is that go find another coach that can help you with a different aspect of Hebrew. So with her, I have a program, but I have another coach that I meet with just to practice speaking.
1: Huh. Do you get to a place where you're spread too thin? Have you ever found yourself having to pull back on some coaches? I didn't
0: think about that. I've had to let go of coaches that weren't serving. Like, I'm not playing chess anymore. Uh, this is weird, but I basically, one day I looked at the chess board. I, w- I went to this chess meetup and it was me and like, A competition with like 12 year olds and i just got there and i was like i just can't do chess anymore and now i can't even look at a chessboard, uh and so i stopped working with that coach that and that's something i i need to probably go to therapy uh some life coach about (laughs) you just spent on chess yeah i mean we go through phases of life like i think everyone does where you get excited about some show or some book or some clothing and then eventually you grow out of things uh and i think some of the challenges is like how do you find things in business and in your personal life that's sustainable I do think you should, if you're not changing, you're probably not doing something right is the way I've looked at it.
1: Yeah, no, um, let me ask you this. I know that there are probably a handful of people who are listening right now who love the idea of a coach, but maybe they're early stage in their career. And not only is time a challenge, but probably more of an inhibitor is money. What are your ideas for how to develop an education without having a ton of funds to put towards hiring coaches?
0: Yeah. So I'll give a, a concrete example. There's a guy named Dean Young, who is a barista. And he emailed me and he said, Hey, no, I want to work for you. And I was like, I'm busy. Hit me up in two weeks. He followed up in two weeks, like clockwork. And he said, I want to work for you. What do you need help with? And I'm like, hit me up in two more weeks. <laughs> and I was, I was like, okay, fine. And then two weeks later, he's like, all right, dude, it's been, you know, Hey, like two more weeks. I'm, I'm still here. I was like, all right, I want you to take one of my podcasts and make an article out of it. And his article was great. And then he was like, all right, hey, Noah, there's another thing. I'm going to just do all your podcasts. I'll help you with your articles and I'm going to help you promote it. I was like, okay. And the realization there is for anyone without money, go help people for free and help them to the point where you become so valuable that they have to pay you. So now Dean quit his job and I pay him $2,000 a month plus to be a full-time promotion person with Sumo and with my podcast and stuff. Nice. And so the question, though, and, and just advice wise, don't go to Megan at HubSpot or me and say, hey, what can I help you with? That is literally one of the worst questions you can ask.
1: I me. was just going to ask you that because oh. I, I hear this a lot from people, you know, peers where it's the hardest thing in the world to go to somebody and ask them to define for you how you can contribute. Yeah, <laughs> I just
0: trying to think of stupid examples. Like it's like someone come to me, like, how can I get rich? I was like, yeah. well, how, how much are you working? It's like not. I'm like, well, go put in twenty years and then talk to me. Um, right. So I think the the way that I would recommend it for people is two different options. Number one, just do the work ahead of time and then email them. That's one way. Where so yeah. for example, hey, no, I know you're working on your, I know you're working at Suma.com. I already put together this marketing plan for this new channel for you. Is that something that you'd be interested in me in me executing? I'm like, wow, you know what my priorities. You've re, you've put in a little bit of the time. So that that's one way of kind of approaching it. The other way of approaching it is that you can come and you can ask me, but you kind of have to understand what I'm already doing. Right. So with Dean, he already knows what I'm doing. And so you can say, hey, Noah, here's four things I want to do for you. Which of the four do you want me to go put together? And like, there's no, there's no cost. There's no expectation. I just really want to work on this for you.
1: So and you as Noah don't have to put in the thought and time to figure out how this person can help you.
0: Yeah. Make it easy for me to say yes. Like, yep. I think what happens with a lot of situations, and I've noticed this with, with, uh, with podcasting, is that everyone wants to take, it's so easy to take. Hey, Megan, can I get on your show? Hey, Megan, will you be my customer? Hey, Megan, will you do this? And I think the more that people flip the equation, and it's, it's a little counterintuitive, but more that flip the equation and just give right away and help right away, the more likely you are to get things that you want later. And the more that you can be helpful to a lot of people, the more that they're going to help you subsequently.
1: That makes sense. So learning is part of your daily life now. Uh, it's something that you really structure into your days. But Tell me a little bit about getting to that point. I imagine that you weren't always working with multiple coaches at a time. What were some of the growing pains you um, uncovered when you started to prioritize learning as an adult? Hmm.
0: I've tried different coaches that haven't worked out. Like I've tried a, a lot of life coaches and therapists. And I think sometimes you have to realize like what you're trying to get out of things. And sometimes yeah. you're like you, you get to the point where you want and then you have to stop it. Like I had some therapy where I was like, Hey, you're, you don't like being alone. And that's what we talk about every week. And I was like, I know I just don't like being alone. I'm And I'm okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> uh, I think the other Got thing enough I out would, of that relationship. Yeah. You know, but there were other parts like relationship wise. He really helped me with the one thing I, I would, um, I would encourage everyone to do is like allocate some time each week, like go into your calendar on your phone or right now on your calendar and just allocate time for learning. Just even put like 30 minutes. And that is like your 30 minute time that you're like, all right, well, I'm just going to practice learning. It could be YouTube. It could be podcasts. It could be generally I find things like books or courses or like in-person things a little bit more substantive. I find sometimes podcasts and YouTube can be a little bit more appetizer Uh, as well. Like who is one person this week? Like maybe every Friday for 30 minutes, like I actively go out and and look for people. So I have this file called awesome. (laughs) And every week I have my assistant add one person who she thinks I should meet based on some (laughs) criteria that I've set up. So I, th- the, the, I think the point is, is like I can't promise you what will work for your growth and your learning in marketing or in sales or in business, but I can promise you if you're committing to it each week, you will get growth through it.
1: It's so funny. We were just talking with somebody on um, one of the last podcasts who every day she reaches out to somebody new, somebody on the periphery, you know, a friend of a friend, and tries to make a connection, and it's habitual. It's, it's discipline every single day she does it, and at the end of the year she has hundreds and hundreds of more contacts than she previously had. And it was a fascinating talk because the whole time I was thinking, God, that sounds exhausting. And I wonder, you know, how do you, if, if you're not naturally, so you're, you seem like a very social person. Like you said, you don't like to be alone. You like to have that back and forth of a relationship. You're challenged by it. What about people who aren't?
0: I mean, it, there's a reason we all work on the internet, right? Like If we were super social, we'd be probably in a store somewhere. <laughs> the internet I, I is like,
1: awesome Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, the internet's great because you don't have to talk to anyone in real life And so I think, you know, that that's the whole value of the internet I, I think the thing I would encourage people to just think about Like where do you get your energy from? There's a book called Power of Full Engagement And the whole book, and I, I love the message It's not about how much time you have in a day It's about how you allocate the energy towards things in your day And right. I think that's just a really smart message So if you're an introvert, don't go being an extrovert Like the book, have you read the book Quiet? Yep I love that book Because it's Jane. like, look Introverts are smart and better than you probably. <laughs> just because someone's not talking doesn't mean they're not, not a genius, and doesn't mean that they're not really capable of being a leader. And so I think as introverts, like which I'm, I, I don't, I think I am sometimes. I think you just have to figure out through your day and your week how are you engineering your week to maximize the energy for things that you want. And if yeah. you're an introvert, like okay, so are you doing more? Do you have recharging in your week? Is that already allocated? Or is that already blocked out? If you're an extrovert, do you have like a bunch of meetings set up because you know that's something that you're going to need? And so. I think I've, my, my calendar in general has like evolved so much just over these periods of time as I notice things that I like doing, I add them and things I don't like doing, I just subtract.
1: So we're talking a lot about scheduling, a lot about how you structure your week and your time. I find it really funny that you know so much of our life is on this track, this educational track. You go to elementary school and then middle school and then high school and then college and potentially uh, a graduate program of some sort and that is very structured learning time. And then that time just stops. And you're left kind of flailing with all of this openness um, in terms of your schedule. How do you think that people should start to find that structure again? Is it really as simple as blocking 30 minutes off in a week? Or you know, what's your plan for introducing that back into people's lives?
0: Yeah. I can, everything I share, it's only from what I've experienced. So I don't come, across, I'm not a coach. I'm not a guru. I don't, I only know what's worked for me. I think for anyone who wants to accomplish something, say you want to improve your marketing skills. Say you want to be a better writer. Say you want to be you know healthier or say you want to be a better cook. I think that the two things that are easiest, easiest is like number one, and this is something my Adam and I have talked a lot about. What is the smallest step you can do today? Because I think it's like New Year's resolutions. It's literally, that's an arbitrary day that we've all decided. So instead of waiting three more months to finally start, you know, learning to be a better writer, can you write like for five minutes a day starting now? So I think that's number one that you have to do. Just what is the lightest? So for Adam with diet, he's always said, Noah, what's the easiest thing with your breakfast you can change? And I was like, well, I could go egg whites instead of egg yolks. He's like, okay, fine. Let's just start something small. Because I think what happens right. with a lot of learning and growth is like, I'm going to do everything. Like, m- you know, my mom, she goes extreme on diets. I always joke. She does a watermelon diet. And she'll no, eat watermelon. No, what is the for-
1: watermelon diet?
0: No, she'll eat watermelon it. for a whole week. I'm not joking.
1: Only breakfast, lunch, dinner. She's, watermelon. My mom,
0: she's intense. And I love my mother. And so she'll do that. And then after a week, she's like, all right. She's like, Noah, I'm so naughty. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, I ate a pizza. I was like, okay. <laughs> So I think what happens in growth is that we try to consume everything. So start small. Number two, have accountability. I think accountability is what a coach one of the most valuable things a coach provide. And a lot of people will do this. Well, I'll get my wife to do it. I'll get my husband to do it. I'm like, if they were really holding you that accountable to things, you'd probably have already done it. So I think you have to get someone who will actually hold you accountable and have some type of punishment. uh, If it's something you're serious about. I don't think it has to have the punishment. I just found that the punishment stuff works really, really well.
1: Do you think the people who are entirely self-driven let themselves off the hook too often?
0: Hmm. I think I do. I'm only speaking for myself. I think sometimes I do. I don't know. Sometimes I think you're too... It's like yin and yang. I think sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. Like, oh, I didn't do this. And I'm like super hard. And there are times where I'm just like too soft. Or I'm like, hey, you really should have that discipline around that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because it's like these ideas for what you want to learn, how you want to grow, they they're sparked by just unexpected things and at different stages of your career. So I, I work in very ephemeral things. I work in, in text on a screen and um, nothing that like, I don't use my hands for anything. And the other day, I swear Noah, I fixed the toilet in my apartment and it was like the greatest moment of my <sighs> life. <laughs> Uh, recently because it was like this very tangible thing that was broken and I used my hands and I fixed it and I did it with all sorts of you know like self-learning on um on YouTube and and all of that and just having like and it sparked this interest in me of like you know what I want to be a marketer who can also be a handywoman and um it's funny how this stuff comes about that it like these two things can go grow in parallel and complement each other and and scratch that itch, as you were saying before, that you didn't necessarily know you had.
0: You know, one thing that, that you, uh, you highlighted for me, Megan, is that by starting to learn Hebrew, it's helped me realize, one, I like learning and I've learned how, I, how to learn better. And then it makes me yeah. actually excited to figure out how can I apply that in my business life.
1: So tell me more about that. I mean, how do you think you can apply it?
0: Well, that, you know, the original thing was, oh, I had a coach. All right. Well, is there someone who's an expert in these different categories that I want to improve in, and then let me go find them. Number one, and number two, now that I know and I'm learning better how I like to learn, which is going to be different for each person, I can right. actually say, hey, these are ways that I think I can improve, and these are ways that we can check in uh, and help me grow together. And I was like, oh, I never would have thought about that just by like starting to learn a language. So maybe one suggestion for everyone out there is try to learn one new thing. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a language. This is, you know, a little bit more intense. Maybe it's like how to pogo stick or, you know, how to rollerblade or how to do knots or how to fix toilets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what is on your horizon in terms of what you want to learn next? I think the easiest
0: thing for a lot of people is go back to some activities that you did as a kid that you really enjoyed that you don't do anymore. I think that's kind of one of the easier ones for people like, I don't know what I want to learn or improve on. It's like, well, what did you really enjoy as a kid you don't do? Uh, and so I don't know if it's coloring books. for Mm -hmm. everyone uh for myself it was it's bicycling i love bicycling and i've gotten back into mountain biking and so that's something that i'm starting to get more interested in starting to do a little bit on youtube but then starting to think oh yeah i should go find a coach or someone uh, that can help guide me to the next level of uh to skill in this the one thing i I want to caveat that i have i can only speak for myself with this is that I do think people have to balance the burnout. I know that's something I've I've kind of struggled with where like Mm -hmm. you get so into something and that after like a month or two, you're like, all right, I'm done because I've just like burned myself out of it. And so figuring out a little bit of way and I think about this for business too, like how do you do things that are sustainable? How do you find things that you're like, I could keep doing this for some period of time?
1: So what's an example of that for you? When did you get burnt out?
0: Oh man, Uh, disc golf. Wait, what? Frisbee golf, you know disc golf? Have you heard of this?
1: Please enlighten me.
0: All right. Uh, disc golf is basically, it's, you take a little disc and then instead of a golf hole, it's a golf basket. And in Boston, near the HubSpot HQ, like there's actually a lot more courses than you realize. And I just got pretty obsessed with it. I hired a coach. I, I started traveling with it. And I, I started going every day, started watching YouTube. And I got to a point, I, I, did it, I did it with my brother, actually. We did an RV trip where we went twice a day for seven days in a row in, in Missouri. And at the end of it, I was just like, I can't play disc golf anymore. I'm just this is way too much for me and how so, good did
1: you get as a disc golfer uh, before you hit that moment
0: well the bar is pretty low for disc golf because it's not that <laughs> as it's not as expensive of a sport so I thought I would go pro and I thought it was pretty good uh, but I just got to a point where now it's like more of a casual thing and so I think you know again coming back to like my mom with her diet or me with different uh, activities Like find things that you just have always enjoyed and figure out how do you make it sustainable? So like podcasting, for instance, I, re- I love listening to podcasts. I'm interested in creating one. So I created one and I started doing them and I made all my own shows like customized. Like it would be like i make this whole story each time. And it was honestly, I started dreading it. And I said, Noah, I want to do this for the next five years. Right. And and I, I do enjoy it. But what's missing from it? It's like, oh, because I'm not talking to someone else. That's That's what gives me energy. And so I think coming back to like, how do you create the environment either with a coach or by yourself of things you all you do enjoy and doing them for a very long period of time. So I had to adjust it to make it work for me.
1: Okay. So to sum up, baby steps, <laughs> getting some feedback, making sure that you are giving yourself a time box to, to learn these things, kind of chasing after the things, even something as simple as something from your childhood that you want to relearn
0: yeah uh, you know i don't think there's a set noah kagan (laughs) formula i can and i always say it only for myself because i I know some people are like oh it didn't work for me i'm like i know i'm just telling you it works for me uh (laughs) but yeah i I think to repeat yeah i think don't try to over you can't eat a whole pizza in one bite unless you're really impressive take a little bite and if you take a lot of little bites eventually you finish the pizza Uh, and then you're then you're full uh get a coach or someone who's an expert have or find someone who can hold you accountable to some little commitment a week like maybe if you want to be a better writer or blogger blog five minutes a day. And then maybe after a few months of you liking it, make it 10. Um, And then ask for feedback on anything you're doing. That's something that if you wanna just improve with something you're going on, just ask for someone around you. I think those are literally instant things that everyone could do to to improve with whatever they're working on.
1: Definitely. All right, so Noah, I'm gonna put one of your lessons to the test and ask (laughs) you to leave us with a little bit of Hebrew, if you wouldn't mind. Can you um, lay out for us your favorite, like the most, Beautifully sounding Hebrew phrase or line uh, that you are most proud of.
0: Well, my favorite word in Hebrew is nachon. So milah is word, and mm-hmm. uh, Milahi is like the best word would be nachon, which means basically true. And so you can you can use it in almost every instance. And I just I, I like that word a lot because I feel I'm like oh yeah, it's everything is like it's pure. It's just like how are things going? I'm like nachon, like it's right. <laughs> uh, so I like that word. Uh, what else did I learn? There, right. I'm sure there's some Hebrew person to be like, no, that's not right. I'm like, it's close. <laughs> and then you could say like, you could say Tov. Tov. Tov, easy one. That means just that you're good. Or you can say low Tov, which means not good.
1: Got it. All right. So when people go to leave reviews for either your podcast or mine, we want them to say Tov, right?
0: Only Tove, and Tov. Only Tove, Only Tove. Tov. The other thing, oh, you could say rock Tove, which means only Tove. The last one we could teach Hebrew wise that everyone can do whenever you meet a Jewish person on Fridays, you just say Shabbat. Shalom
1: Shabbat Shalom All right
0: Shabbat Shalom That's a good one to leave it on That's the easiest one for everyone to do on Fridays
1: (laughs) All right Noah, thank you so much for joining us Um, I've certainly learned a lot And if people want to listen to your podcast They can head over or or watch your YouTube channel They can head over to Noah Kagan Presents
0: You're the best, thank you so much
1: All right, talk to you soon Hey there, thanks for listening So we've got something kind of exciting up our sleeves. We've been doing this show for almost three years. And one of the things we've heard from our guests is that when you're comfortable, you're not growing. So we're going to get a little uncomfortable. Trust me, I'm good at that. We're cooking up an entirely new approach to the show. I'd love to tell you about it now, but then what would the teaser do? That's coming next week. Please subscribe if you haven't already, and thanks for listening all these years. You guys are the best.